Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Draft Podcast. This is episode 80. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. And that is CBS Sports Draft Analyst Josh Edwards. And today, it's Mock Draft Thursday. That's right. It's the first mock draft of the 2024 college football season. And we'll be taking a fine-tooth comb to Josh's mock draft, which you can find on CBSSports.com right now. Just a little tease. Rick and I have been talking about the race for QB3 in this draft class. And, well, Rick, Josh has four quarterbacks and seven receivers going to the first round. So I'm excited to dive in, and, and I'm guessing, Rick, you probably have some thoughts. I always have thoughts, or else I wouldn't be on the podcast, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited to have our distinguished guest on today. Josh, he keeps coming back, uh, and I'm sure he'll have him on a few more times. But, Josh, I just have to ask you, how many more days are left until <laughs> 2024? Hint. NFL draft. <laughs> you know, if I had to take a shot in the dark, I would say approximately 224 days until the 2024 NFL draft. Yeah, and, and that's our fine uh, Debo, our producer there, that's providing all the expenses to make sure we have a very fancy countdown clock as we go along on this podcast. Uh, if you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Rick, because I don't think Ryan was going to tell everybody how many days were left. So it's good that we got that out there early. Yeah, no, we've been doing it. and Ryan forgets it just like half the reports that he writes. And then we try to talk about him on the air. Sometimes he has to refer back to his notes, but that happens. And uh, so we do have a counting clock since that'd be hard for Ryan to remember every time we came on the air. It is funny, Josh, like Rick remembers every single thing that he sees when he's watching these players, doesn't know their names and he calls them whatever he wants to call them, but he will not forget what he's seen. And I do have to often refer to my notes. I will say this too. The last time you're here, Rick, Rick softened a little bit. He's gotten a little softer around the edges. So he's not quite as, as uh, hardcore in your face. This mock draft may change that. We'll find out together. So I'm looking forward to that. Glad to have uh, Josh back on the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL on CBS, you can see the old countdown clock there, but also if you missed it on Tuesday, there's another pop or drop episode. Rick and I looked at some of the top performances from week two in college football. And we also revisited the rookie quarterbacks and their NFL debuts and somehow found time to rank our top five rookies. Uh, that show, of course, is in the podcast feed. And Debo, if you have a second, can you throw up that comment that we got? Uh, I found this on YouTube, Rick, and we were talking about, I specifically asked you, I said, does B. John Robinson remind you at all 
of Adrian Peterson because you, of course, drafted Adrian Peterson. And if you're listening to the podcast, this is one of the comments we got on the, on the YouTube uh, version of this show. Stephen Fanowski said, please don't put Bichon, B-I-C-H-O-N, Roberts in the same conversation as Adrian Peters. Please, not even close. And I said to Debo, Rick 100% wrote this comment because he got both <laughs> names wrong. <laughs> so I will not put Bichon Roberts ever again in the same conversation as Adrian Peters. Lesson learned there. My fault, Rick. I take full responsibility for that. As you should. <laughs> uh, and by the way, next week we'll be back for another popper drop and ranking those rookies. So look out for that. Finally, this has gone pretty well. Debo's a, a, a genius when it comes to this. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a prospect's name, we'll evaluate that player on an upcoming show starting next Tuesday. Or that'll be our, our second time, second go-around with that. Last Tuesday, we talked about Dylan Gabriel, UCF to Oklahoma transfer. And we're getting a lot of calls for J.J. McCarthy, Rick. I have a, a sense that we're going to be talking J.J. McCarthy a little later in the show. And then you and I will, will probably circle around next week, and, and we'll try to get to J.J. next week. They haven't played anyone yet. They played UNLV and ECU. They'll play Bowling Green this week, and they play Rutgers next week. But we'll get a pre-Big Ten, post-Big Ten look at J.J. So look for that as well. And... Take a second, hit the old thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube at NFL and CBS. Helps us grow the show. All right, let's go. What, Josh, I just to, to declare because instruction on this podcast from our leader, uh, Debo, is not always clear. So when they said five-star review, <laughs> I mistook it for, well, why are we looking at five-star athletes coming out and reviewing them now? So <laughs> to be clear, if you give us a five-star review, that is the player that we will look at and talk about on the podcast. Debo, do you want to defend yourself? I, I don't have a need to. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. I will absolutely leave a five-star review and come up with the most obscure name I can come up with um, over the next couple of weeks, so look forward to that. And by the way, Rick, I don't know if you know this. Josh, he is probably – I'll actually take a guess and they can give us the actual number. He he watches more players than anyone else does at CBS Sports. I'm guessing he's probably 200-plus guys in by now just from the summer scouting. Where where, where are you at number-wise, Josh? Um, Let's see. We are at – this is great podcasting, by the way. Um, It's like 300. How many so summer scouting, 300. This, this man clearly has a problem, Rick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. All right. Mock draft time. I'm going to start with the quarterbacks here. So we'll we'll do it. Uh, we'll skip around a little bit. But again, you can find Josh's mock draft, cbsports.com. And we'll get through all the names so you hear them or you see them if you're watching us on YouTube. But we're going to start with the quarterbacks. Because every conversation this time of year always starts with the quarterbacks. Number one overall. And Rick, I'll, I'll just bounce these names off of you. And they may go fast or they may go a little slower. But Cardinals... Had the first overall pick. This is reverse Super Bowl lots in case you're wondering how we came up with the order. Caleb Williams. No brainer. So, again, I'll ask, revisit this question for you. What if he's teetering publicly with returning to school? Like we talked about earlier on the show, I'm going to make sure I go out there. If I'm the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, the head coach goes out there. The ownership probably needs to go out there. You need to sit down not only with the kid, but probably his father, probably his representatives, if he is deciding to come out uh, and then talk through what your vision is with him and your organization going forward and in the future. So um, and the other thing that we talked about was I'm sure he's making a lot of money in the NILs and, and the Wendy's commercials and everything else you've seen. <laughs> I mean, we saw 
Bryce Young make a lot of monies off the uh, Dr. Pepper commercials, but they're still, you'll never make up that type of money uh, of the number one overall pick. And the other question is, what if it's a worse situation or a worse team that he doesn't want to go to the following year? Yeah, that's right. So Debo just put the odds here on YouTube. Minus 330 for Caleb Williams to be uh, the number one overall pick versus the field, which is plus 220. So I, Josh, I'll, I'll ask you because some of the other quarter- <laughs> Because in this scenario, Josh, uh, because I don't understand <laughs> betting, if I bet a dollar on Caleb Williams being the number one overall pick, I would lose $330. So why would I make that bet? You just I said it's actually- a no-brainer. I think you actually lose 33,000 is uh, the way that those odds work. No, those are the pluses. But when it's minus, I'd have to pay if he's the number one overall pick. I don't understand it. And by the way, in case you you weren't aware, uh, you did stumble into the the best gambling podcast on the Internet. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> so, Josh, I'll ask you, because some of the quarterbacks we'll talk about in, in a moment here, some of them haven't been lights out through the first part of the season. That is not the case with Caleb Williams. Are there any concerns – we know he's going first overall. Any concerns with this game at this point for what you've seen? Um, no, not really. I mean, he's – I'm not going to say he's a flawless player because you can never totally project how somebody's going to translate to the next level, but he's as close to a translatable quarterback as I've seen because of his decision-making. Um, everybody wants to say he's Patrick Mahomes, and I see the comparisons, but what really excites me is the decision-making. If he gets caught in space – um, you know, he's able to make a throw like we saw last week against Stanford. He's able to make a throw on the run. If somebody is trying to jump high, he's able to go low or go around them. If they go low, he's able to go above them. I mean, he's capable of throwing from all of these different arm angles. And you're seeing his confidence not only in the pocket, but in space. So it doesn't take time for him to make that split second decision, because at any point in time, the play is still alive and he could make a play downfield much like Patrick Mahomes, which is where those comparisons come from. So for me, he is as close to a flawless quarterback as I've seen in, in a handful of years. Well, I'm glad you, you said it that way because Debo has a question for you, Rick, and I'll ask Josh after you answer. Kayla Williams is the best pro p- prospect since who? Oh, so this is one of those comparison ones, huh? Uh, That's what Debo wants and Debo gets what Debo wants. Okay. So, Again, I take everything literally, and if you're trying to say that he's Patrick Mahomes, well, him and Patrick Mahomes coming out of college, if you looked at Patrick Mahomes coming out of Texas second, it's not even comparable. So you can't make that Patrick Mahomes Mahomes comparison. If you're looking at it literally saying, who does he remind you of when that person came out of college? So I have one in my back pocket that popped into my head. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Buckle up. I am going to say he reminds me of Andrew Luck when he came out of Stanford. I don't hate it. No, you no. don't hate any of mine because yours is – I can't wait to hear what you have to say. See, Rick, when someone's – you've heard the saying you attract more flash with honey than with the vinegar. I try the honey approach, and all you do is throw more vinegar at me. <laughs> So, uh, oh, well, look at, way to go, Debo. So if you're looking on YouTube here, Debo just put up um, the past five draft classes. These are Rick Spielman's quarterback rankings. Number one, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Burrow, Herbert, Bryce Young, CJ, Tua, Justin Fields, Anthony Richardson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. And I think what Debo's Coming out of college. Coming out of college, right. That's right. Coming out of college through the draft process before they came to the NFL and, and uh, in many respects made $55-plus million a year. So, Rick, 
where are you penciling Caleb Williams on this list? Uh, up one. Number Wait, one. what? Above Trevor? Yes. Whoa! Great call, Debo. All right, what about you, uh, Josh? You have uh, I Rick sees you, Andrew Luck, and and what are you gonna counter with? Well, I, I can't counter because ironically, I was gonna say Andrew Luck. Um, his everybody That's why I need to go last on this podcast. <laughs> I I swear to you, I was going to say that because you can see the quiet confidence that he has in the pocket. He understands what he's seeing, and he's capable of making a play at any given point in time. I think Trevor Lawrence, you saw him stick on some routes at certain points. Joe Burrow, he doesn't quite have the swagger of Joe Burrow, um, and he's got a little bit more athleticism. So, I mean, Andrew Luck, for me, I think is a really good comparison. Andrew Luck was a really good athlete, too. For some reason, we forget that thinking about, I mean, it's part of the reason he probably got hurt running for his life in the offensive line wasn't always that good at Indianapolis. But, uh, Debo, there's your headline. Forget Patrick Mahomes, Rick Spielman, and Josh Edwards say Andrew Luck is the next, or Caleb Williams is the next Andrew Luck. That will make people angry. Are you participating? Because I want to buckle up and hear this one. Did you even do the homework? I can do it on the fly. Okay, who? Let's see. Who can I say that will make Rick the angriest? <laughs> Patrick Mahomes reminds me of... No, we're talking about Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, sorry. Oh my gosh, uh, gosh what I have to work with twice a week. exhausting. I was going to go with Baker Mayfield. How's that feel? Uh, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do the homework. Andrew Luck works for me. Patrick Mahomes, I mean. Hey, Debo, you can put that up in your little poll thing you do with the fans. <laughs> Caleb, what does remind you more of? Was Rick Wright on Andrew Luck or was Ryan Wright on Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield. But no, there, there's your there's your headline, Debo. Ryan compares Caleb Williams to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah, please put that up. You think the YouTube viewers that come back and watch it later don't watch the whole show? They'll get to that part where it said Baker Mayfield, and that's what I'll get crushed for. But here's the thing. Andrew Luck was drafted in 2012. I had to so, think in my homework assignment. Yeah, but here's you're telling me there hasn't been a quarterback prospect since 2012 um, that's better than – like I think because, I mean, coming out, Patrick Mahomes, you're right, wasn't as good as Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was probably the most polished quarterback coming out. Joe Burrow was more polished or no? Andrew Luck was more athletic. Joe Burrow was polished, but Andrew Luck was more athletic. So okay. I'm trying to make that comparison. And that's why if you put that list up, the Debo put list up, he would be number one over Trevor Lawrence. That's impressive. I like that he's number one. All right. On to your next quarterback in the first round of Josh Edwards' mock draft, the first mock draft of the 2024 campaign and with the first pick podcast. Down to number four. Man, I'm halfway through rewatching that Bears game on offense. Ugly. Sweet mercy alive. I mean, there is some stuff going on that doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know if it matters who the quarterback is. In a lot of regards, Justin Fields saves that offense because of his legs. And the player you have, the Bears taking here at number four. Again, this is reverse Super Bowl lot, so don't get angry at Josh for having your team up there. Drake May. So now Drake May is an example of a quarterback who's been up and down, new offense, getting used to new players. One of his best receivers, the NCAA, refuses to allow him to play for reasons that remain idiotic if we're being honest but whatever we have to talk about drake may working with what he has so josh i'll start with you what are your thoughts on drake may who i liked him over the summer i didn't love him as much as i wanted to 
Yeah, what I wanted to see from him this year was just improved decision-making, which is not borne out in his statistics, you know, the touchdown-to-interception ratio. But he had a lot of what I call prayer balls, which is I'm going to (laughs) chuck it up and hope my guy comes down with it um, last season. So I wanted to see him kind of weed that out of the game, uh, and he has to this point. I mean, he's a big quarterback. He's got a strong arm, capable of making all the throws on the field. So I'm, I'm encouraged with what I've seen from him so far this year and the development that he's taking. Uh, And that's why he's the number two quarterback in this class for me right now as to why he's going to the Bears. I don't know how much blame I'm going to put on Justin Fields right now, but it's clear that there's a disconnect between the coaching staff and the player at this point in time. They were not the ones that drafted Justin Fields. So after the consideration of possibly sticking at number one last year and taking a quarterback, now we have a little bit more clarity if this does not come together by the end of the year to the point where maybe they do consider moving on from fields and taking a quarterback there atop this draft. So it's Rick not referred to as prayer ball. It's referred to as that dude I'm throwing to makes about $30 million a year. I expect him to <laughs> make those plays and it's my job as a quarterback to put the ball in a situation where at least he can go up and uh, make plays. That's what I look at it as. All right. Well, I'll, I'll say a prayer for you, Rick. How about that? So two two questions for you, Rick. You didn't have this really – this wasn't a concern for you at Minnesota because you were there for so long, but I'm sure you saw around the league when new coach, new front office come in, old quarterback, even if he's only in year three, it might be on the way out. And then number two, what have you been – we haven't really talked about Drake May yet, but what have been your, your impressions just maybe TV scouting of, of Drake May who hasn't been lights out? I, I've watched Drake May. And I went oh, you've watched him this year? Yeah, I watched them in the first game. The against- South Carolina game we did talk, talk about. Last and week, at Appala- they went to overtime last week against Appalachian State. And I watched that game, too. Oh, look at you. Well, I apologize for selling you short. Okay, well, tell me then. What's going on with Drake May? Well, I thought he played very good in the South Carolina game. He doesn't have the receivers or the weapons around him that he had last year with Green and uh, uh, the little slot receiver. Josh Downs. Josh Downs. Um but he looked very comfortable. I thought it took a step forward in the South Carolina game. I was a little disappointed in this App State game. Now it was raining. It looked like it was raining on the tape. Some of his balls were short, uh, which means they had to kind of the receivers, especially on in routes, dig in routes, and some outside uh, out routes uh, were short where they had to dive low to try to get the ball. I didn't think he threw as well, whether it's App State, but with his caliber of talent, you go out there and dominate, regardless if you're playing App State or you're playing Ohio State. So I think that uh, he was a little disappointing. I didn't know if it was the weather. Is he still getting used to the new receivers? Uh, but he needs to get back on track here, especially uh, when they start the uh, ACC uh, schedule. Next or this Saturday, excuse me, they, they play Minnesota. So that'll be a test. Our guy Tyler Newman's a safety guy we're going to talk about on the podcast soon per um, – viewer requests. So we're excited about that. But Rick, let me just ask you the other question. If you're new administration coming in, you don't have ties to, to Justin Fields, even if it's not, as Josh points out, Justin Fields fault. So is it reasonable to expect the Bears who have two first round picks? Yeah. When you look at it, I think um, last week and week one, the type of plays that are being called, he doesn't throw the ball downfield. He's supposed to have all these new offensive weapons around him. And I think he averaged right around five yards per play per pass down the field, but you're not going to win ball games like that. So what, and you know, they got this revamped offensive line. They got, you know, DJ Moore and he only had two targets or two catches last week. You know, they traded for Claypool. So 
they need to open up that offense. And I agree whether it's it's the play calling or, or is it Justin Fields? Now Justin Fields saves them with their le- with his legs, but we have to know what he is as a thrower and he if he has improved. But it's hard to tell <laughs> when most of your attempts are at the line of scrimmage or less than five yards down the field. Yep, no, I agree. And um, I'll go through this mock draft, just naming names. So if you're listening, you can have an idea. As I mentioned, Caleb Williams went first overall. The Cardinals had the number two pick. They took Marvin Harrison Jr., which, of course, makes sense because we've been talking about it uh, since the odds came out. The Colts are at number three. They take Olaf Ashanu. I love that. We just talked about the Bears taking Drake May. The Bears are going to have two first-round picks as we sit here, and then they circle back. They happen to have the number five pick. They take Jared Burst, the edge rusher. Um, the Titans take uh, Amarius Mims, the, the tackle from Georgia. At seven, Brock Bowers, the tight end, goes to the Commanders. And here at eight is our third quarterback off the board. Rick, I'll come to you first. Um, as I mentioned, we'll we'll try to watch J.J. McCarthy in preparation for next week's popper drop uh, because we're getting a lot of requests on him. Watch him over the summer. You liked his athleticism. I was not super high after watching him over the summer. Where are you on J.J. McCarthy going eighth to the Bucks? Well, I uh, watched the UNC and ECU East Carolina game, and it was like watching a seven-on-seven tournament. Yeah. Uh, you know, he is, I think he's tall, looks tall enough, but he looks really lean built on tape. Uh, he's a very good athlete. Uh, he can move around in the pocket. I think he can make plays with his legs. What I think you have to do now in the NFL. Uh, I went back and watched that TCU game last year. The, uh, the thing that I will say is he threw the pick six. He threw another interception but he kept hanging in there and he brought him back and it was a shootout at the end. Uh, I think he hit three or four targets down the field. And so I was kind of first time I really sat down there besides watching him on TV and evaluated him. I'm starting to turn into a big JJ McCarthy fan off what I've seen so far. And I think, you know, it's hard to say against uh, UNLV and against East Carolina, but there is definitely a confidence level in, in what he's doing out there. The ball comes out of his hands easy. I don't think he has the strongest arm in the in that will be in next year's draft if he does come out, but he throws such a catchable ball. And he's on time and he's in rhythm and he puts the ball out in front of the receivers to give the receivers an opportunity to make uh, plays after the catch. That's great news, Josh, because you and I were chatting uh, the other day and you were high on McCarthy. So clearly you like him, like him as well. Yeah. And part of that's based on what he has shown this year. Um, you know, he's not trying to do too much. He's taking what the defense is giving him. I think you see him operate with a lot more confidence in the pocket. He's making smart decisions with the football. Yeah. Competition level has not been very high to this point, which is kind of the biggest hesitation that I have about his game to this point. But if he's able to continue this level of play into conference play, I'm going to be very encouraged by where J.J. McCarthy is, not only as a college football player, but as a potential pro prospect moving forward. And that's part of this larger discussion of who is the number three quarterback in this draft class. Uh, Coming into the year, honestly, it was Quinn Ewers, um, somebody that I was kind of grading. I was grading to the note. I was grading to the flashes. You like him, Rick. I I was grading to the flashes because they were exciting. What you saw from Alabama last year, what we saw from Alabama last week, but there's been so much inconsistency that you can't feel comfortable putting him in that role to this point. So for me, McCarthy has taken that number three spot pretty handily um, with some other guys still competing. And maybe that's unsettled here as we work our way through the college football season. Rick can't 
control himself to say something bad about Quinn Ewers. He loves Quinn Ewers. You can. I, I didn't say anything bad about Quinn Ewers. I was saying bad about Josh Edwards, but not. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I'm excited to get to get into some JJ. So I'll watch. I'll go back and watch um, the games that that he's played already. And um, I'll be honest, I may not watch the Bowling Green game before we talk about him next week. But I'll, I'll, in addition to what I watched over the summer, I'll watch. Go back and watch TCU and watch the Ohio State game. Okay, fair enough. All right, Uh, we have one more quarterback in the first round. Oh, there he is. I forgot to mark him here. He's at number 14. So I'll, I'll quickly go through picks 9 through 13, just so you guys are up to date if you're listening and you're watching. The Giants take Kool-Aid McKinstry at number 9. The Steelers take J.C. Latham. Kool-Aid's the cornerback at Alabama, by the way. The Steelers uh, take Kool-Aid's teammate, J.C. Latham, the right tackle at Alabama. Vikings at 11 take Nate Wiggins, the the long corner out of Clemson. Uh, I don't know if he has tackled anyone yet, but I do like him. Patriots at 12 take Malik Neighbors the wide receiver out of LSU and team him up with his former teammate, Kayshawn Booty, who forgot to get his foot down last week and could have helped the Patriots win that game. Whatever. 13 Rams take Dallas Turner, edge rusher out of Alabama. And here at 14, our guy, the Broncos. Man, this is this, this me eating a lot of money for the quarterback, Russ Wilson, if he's not playing, but maybe you let him sit for a year, this quarterback we're about to talk about here. Josh, where... In September, excuse me, in July, did you have Shadur Sanders uh, grade-wise? And he is the guy that you have going now, 14th overall to the Broncos. Well, I'll be honest. He was one of the ones that I hadn't really watched coming into the year. I was kind of waiting to see how he was going to fare against a little bit better competition. And to this point, I've been encouraged. You know, I still have some hesitations in certain aspects of his game. Um, but I think you've seen a player that is operating with a lot of confidence. I think you have to give a lot of credit to that offensive coordinator as well and what he was able to scheme up uh, in that opener. Um, you know, I thought he did a lot of really good things. He was taking what the defense was giving to him. You can see the amount of leadership that he has shown. You can see the command that he has of that huddle because it's not easy being Deion Sanders' son. Um, coming into this, everybody knew who Shadur Sanders was because he was Deion's son. So there was a lot of pressure for him to operate in that offense. He was given the keys to be the starter in that offense before he ever took a snap. You know, before he even transferred, he was going to be the starting quarterback at the University of Colorado. So um, that, to me, I think shows the amount of leadership, the amount of moxie that he has at the position. And I think that's incredibly valuable when you're making that jump to the next level. So, Josh, let me ask you, and then, Rick, I want you to respond to Josh's answer. What are the concerns you have with Shador? I didn't think the the processing was as good as what we had seen in the first game. Um, I thought that he missed a few throws, and a little bit of that was just lower mechanics, um, stuff that he can get cleaned up pretty easily. But uh, that was the that was the biggest thing. I think he's got a few wrinkles that he needs to clean up, but somebody that uh, can certainly operate in the pocket and make good decisions with the football. Yeah, no concerns. I thought first half against Nebraska <laughs> was a little wasn't what we saw at TCU. Um, but again, Nebraska is doing some different things on defense. And what I look at, I gave him credit for the way he played in the second half because they made the corrections at halftime. They made some of the adjustments. He was able to go out there and execute those adjustments they made and then had a great second half against Nebraska. So to me, that was a positive on maybe struggling a little bit in the first half, making the adjustments you need to make to a new defense and a new scheme and the way they were trying to attack them and then go out there and execute it in the second half. So Rick, how do you feel about Shador as QB four, number one, and number two, how do you feel about him going 14th, too high, too low? What do you think? 
I think he's right where he needs to be right now, the way he's performed the first two weeks. Now, there's a long season ahead. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how other teams try to um, defend him. But I have to say that he also has a lot of pretty talented weapons around him, too, as well. Absolutely. And it's so funny. And Josh, I'm interested in what you think, and Rick, too. A year ago, we we were having to squint to sort of see the good plays that Will Levis was able to make because he struggled for a lot of reasons. Partly he was injured, offensive line, so on and so forth. You don't have to squint to see Shador. It's it's pretty obvious and it's pretty consistent over the course of these two games. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you see a little bit more consistency than what we had seen from Levis last year. Uh, we did make a lot of excuses for him. Sanders, to this point, has risen to the occasion. I mean, like I said, there was a lot of pressure on him coming into the year. Not only was he transferring to Colorado, but – that roster is almost entirely rebuilt. I mean, he's got new players everywhere you look. They didn't all come from Jackson State. Uh, they were coming all over from college football. So he's had to acclimate to some of these new weapons that he's working with, an offensive line that he hadn't previously worked with. So there was a lot of moving parts. And to this point, I'm encouraged with the way that he's handled it. What do you think, Rick? I agree. I mean, uh, the biggest thing that tells me that it's not too big for this kid and with all the pressure that was put on him, you know, uh, dad, you know, how, how do you how do you think that you would have responded? God forbid, who knows how that would have went, Ryan? Ter- I can tell you how it would have gone <laughs> <laughs> terribly. Deion Sanders, and uh, he's talking uh, talking you up like you're the next coming of Joe Montana, and you go out <laughs> and live up to those expectations. You know what's funny, Rick? I re- I remember this like it was yesterday, and I, I'm I'm uh, I'm no spring chicken like you are, but I remember sitting in the back seat of the car coming home from Little League, and my dad. My dad was this big, burly guy who uh, was a helicopter pilot in the Marines. And he said to me as a, an 11-year-old, he said, you are way too slow for your age. You should be much faster for your age. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know who my father is, right, dude? <laughs> so if I had been put out there against TCU and or Nebraska, uh, they would be calling, I don't want to say Jeff Sims 2.0, but they, they would have said, you're worse than Jeff Sims. Too soon, too soon. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and uh, – Josh, uh, put on your crash crash helmet because uh, Rick's going to tell you which of your picks he hated the most right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, if you're listening to the podcast, let me just say the commercial we saw, Frasier is coming back to Paramount+. Plus. I Frasier is one of my favorite shows on planet Earth. Uh, I literally was watching it last night. Rick, where are you on Frasier? <laughs> well, you, you belong in Seattle. You're a hipster. So I learned that one thing I learned about, the only thing I learned new out in the uh, our 
pro draft or our pro day uh, tour was that you are a, a true hipster and belong actually in Seattle with the coffee shops and all the other stuff. It's yeah. Fun, fun fact, Josh, Rick actually likes quality coffee. That's what that's I like strong is. coffee. Yeah. I, the coffee my wife bought me is called death wish. I, I, and I love it. Do you think she's trying to tell you something? Yeah. <laughs> I got a little spoiler. The new Frasier, not yeah. in Seattle, but back in Boston. Oh, there you go. Oh. All right. Can't wait. Also, uh, can't wait to hear Rick's. And before we crush Josh, Rick, we're going to say some nice things about him. I'm not crushing Josh. I thought he would did. It was very well thought of uh, in his first mock. All right. Why you consider to he praise? Well, you continue he praise that we'll talk about. Yeah, exactly. Let me run through quickly the. I'll do like the next ten uh, on the draft board here, and we'll we'll get some some shots into Josh, and I'll wrap up the the first round pick here. So at fifteen, the Raiders took uh, Johnny Newton, who Rick and I talked about on Tuesday. Popped for Illinois against uh, Kansas in that loss. Interior defensive lineman there. Seahawks at sixteen take Mason Smith, the LSU uh, defensive tackle. Seventeen, uh, the Falcons take Amika Buka. Offensive, uh, excuse me, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Packers take Cam Kitchens at 18, the safety out, out of the U. Left uh, on a stretcher, sadly enough, at, after uh, their game last week in Sex A&M. But apparently, according to uh, Mario Cristobal, he's going to be okay. So that's good news. At 19, the Jets take Joe Alt, the tackle out of Notre Dame. At 20, the Saints take JT to a Maloal, edge rusher out of Ohio State. And I'll do one more here. Chargers take Jack Sawyer, uh, linebacker out of Ohio State at 21. I haven't watched Jack yet, so I'm interested to, to do that. All right. Rick, back to you. Favorite pick in the top 10 that's not a quarterback in Josh's mock draft. Yeah, this was an easy one. I was going to say Olu Fashanu. Uh, he's the most athletic left tackle. He's a guy that I think is going to take the next step this year. Uh, looked good so far in his first couple games. It almost looks like he gets bored because it's easy at times for him <laughs> or he's not challenged that much. He's one of the top left tackles I've seen come out in a long time. He would have been the number one offensive lineman off the board last year. Uh, so that was, for me, an easy easy selection. Josh, before you answer, I want to ask Rick a question. So he, I, we've talked about him uh, during the summer scouting series. I loved Icky Kwanu coming out for his athleticism. How do you compare these two? Because Icky sort of struggled early on in preseason. No, 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 no. It's not even the same athletic realm. That's okay, like, that's why I'm asking you. No. So too bad we didn't have this podcast, and I could have helped you out during that draft, but I was – busy with another job you should have called me <laughs> <laughs> i did call you didn't answer <laughs> yeah. all right well before you answer let's back up then so was icky uh how'd you have icky stacked on your board we liked him we liked his aggressiveness he was a he finished blocks i mean it was fun to watch him and run block and we had some issues with him on the left side as a pass protector okay those um, have, those have almost, themselves yeah. out yeah so we really questioned the left tackle to be honest with you, we thought maybe sliding him inside the guard or right tackle where he needs some help, but we didn't think he had the top left tackle tackle athleticism. And and he is big, but his arm length, I think, we have some struggled with his arm length as well. There you go. You learned a little something. I learned a little something, and Ricky only yelled at me once. Uh, Fashanu is heads and tails an easy easier pick than Icky would have been for you is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I mean isn't it, Josh? Yeah, I think I had Icky somewhere in the teens in that draft class. Oh, I thought he projected Josh, more to first overall. Stop it. Uh, no, I, I, I well, I may have just because I thought you know that that was a team that may have done it. But Go ahead. Um, 
I thought he was more of a middle of the first round type player. I projected him as an interior offensive lineman too, which maybe had, had, had dinged him a little bit in terms of value. But um, I think Fashanu is just much farther along in pass protection at this point. Yeah. All right. I'll ask one more question about Fashanu. It's not about you today. We're not picking on you. It's also you're trying to. I'm not letting you. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the back of that car again. I'm driving up from Little League, Rick. That <laughs> used to be a lot faster than Oh, it's like, dude, what do you want me to do? I'm 11. Uh, so I've asked Rick this question. So I'll ask you this question, Josh. And Rick, you can follow up if you if you want to. Would the Bears or should the Bears have taken Olafashanu first overall last year had he come out? Trading down, they got all the goods that ended up being Darnell Wright and Jervon Dexter, not, of course, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Jalen Carter. But going back in history with the time machine, would you take Olafashanu first overall if you're the Bears, if he were available? To be honest with you, if I had a time machine, I would probably take Jalen Carter number one overall the way that he looked so far in week one. Um, Braxton Jones is on the left side for Chicago. I thought he actually had a promising rookie season, Um, at least for that scheme. You know how it translates to other schemes. I'm not entirely sure, but I was actually optimistic about the way that he performed last year. So I wasn't like targeting left tackle as a a need to upgrade um, after last season. So I probably would have addressed uh, that defensive front with either Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter. What do you think, Rick? Would you have traded down, or would you have taken uh, Fashan Hughes available? I would, I would trade down for sure, even yeah. with Fashan Hughes on the board. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. that was the best move for Chicago. Okay, all right. My favorite pick, or my um, my favorite. Oh yeah, my favorite pick in the top ten. I was skipping ahead here. My favorite pick at Josh is in the top ten. This is easy for me. J.C. Latham, the right tackle. You pair him with Broderick Jones, their left tackle first-round pick from this most recent draft, and they have Chucks Okafor there. His contract may be up, but even if it isn't, he's replaceable. And, um, you know, Rick has talked about J.C. Latham. Tuesday he talked about him in the popper drop. He's seen him in person. He is a hulking figure of a man. And um, I'll ask you, Rick, how do you like the idea of uh, Kenny Pickett getting bookends, J.C. Latham yeah. and Broderick Jones? That, to me, is a no-brainer. Uh, I do like this one as well. Uh, awesome. So, I, I, I mean, I, I won't give my opinion on him, but I'm sure Josh is an avid listener, so he knows how I feel about JC already. But let's listen to why Josh has him at number 10. Well, I think the offensive line has been a position or a unit of need for Pittsburgh for quite some time. They've addressed the interior offensive line. You finally bring in Broderick Jones. Now on the right side, you've got uh, J.C. Latham, who, as Ryan described him, is a hulking figure. Um, I think he showed a lot last year in pass protection. Protection. He's somebody that can lean on you in the run game. Very encouraged by what I've seen um, from him to this point. There's some right tackle options in this draft class that I really like. One we'll get to that uh, I know Ryan doesn't like as much, but I think this is a strong year for offensive tackles as a whole. So Pittsburgh is going to have some options. Maybe that's an opportunity for them to, you know, trade back up into the bottom half of the first round if they decide they want to double dip and get a couple positions there. But you're bringing him in with the idea that you're protecting your previous investments in not only Kenny Pickett, but Najee Harris as well. So what we saw from week one out of Pittsburgh, I think. um, Encouraging. Is that the word you want to use? There's. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, that's that's been my version of uh, my guy. Is is not that what? Uh, or what? What? It's um, young man, young man. That's encouraging. Right. Is my young man this this podcast? That's right. Um, 
But Pittsburgh has some changes I think they're going to have to make on offense. I think Latham would be a quality addition to kind of shore up that offensive line as you try to move forward with the Kenny Pickett era at quarterback. Yeah, I get it. I love it. As a Steelers fan, I didn't love week one. Week two, and by the way, I don't know if you remember, Rick, Josh is a Browns fan, so the Steelers and the Browns face off on Monday night. I don't feel great about that either. Don't, All right. I don't, either. don't lose faith in Tomlin. He'll have them boys rolling. Although, I, I won't lose faith in my guy, but uh, I, I, on the field, my goodness. Um, and by the way, just a quick aside, I thought Matt Patricia calling plays in New England was incredibly stupid. I am all for Mike Tomlin, comma, defensive coordinator, comma, calling plays offensively in Pittsburgh. I'll just leave it at that. All right, moving on. Least favorite pick in the top 10. I'll go first. This, this is going to be a quick one. I had J.J. McCarthy going to the Bucks, And uh, Rick and Josh both gave reasons why they're high on J.J. McCarthy. As I mentioned, I haven't watched him yet closely this season. I was just going off. Uh, what I saw over the summer. So I'm looking forward to getting into that and feeling better about J.J. McCarthy. So, Rick, I'll come to you. The Giants at number nine take Kool-Aid McKinstry, the cornerback out of Alabama. Yeah, I uh, I, I love me some Kool-Aid. I think that's <laughs> part of the commercial. But I didn't love me some Kool-Aid versus Texas. So no. that's the thing that worried me a little bit, especially in the top ten. You want a corner. Uh, and Kool-Aid has all the traits. The only question I have on Kool-Aid is the speed. And I think when you saw him against Worthy in that one-on-one matchup down by the end zone, we talked about it on Tuesday, Worthy separated from him and he couldn't close. Now Worthy dropped the touchdown pass. And then when he was in position uh, down the field against the other young lad that uh, <laughs> young the, lad. Young lad, the fine young lad, that, Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell. And then Mitchell went up over top of him on a little go ball. So, he needs to step up. I thought it was one of his worst games that I saw since he's been down at Alabama. So maybe I don't want to make a you know one game and, and crush the guy, but I do have some current concerns with his speed as a shutdown corner if he's going to play man coverage. He has to fit the right scheme. So when you're justifying some things like that in the draft meetings, is he worthy of a top 10 pick? That's why I put him in there. Josh, let me ask you about Kool-Aid. You can respond to Rick, of course, but where, how close is Nate Wiggins, the, I think he's still only 19 years old, the cornerback out of Clemson to Kool-Aid in terms of your number one cornerback right now? Well, I think they're both fantastic in coverage, but they also have a lot of work to do. I mean, when you're looking at this draft class, there's like seven or eight players that I really feel comfortable with at the top. And then it's kind of a, you know, assortment of guys that are in that next group of players. So I don't think any of these cornerbacks have asserted themselves the way that Patrick Sertan asserted himself in his draft class for me. Um, even Jared Verse, who I had taken in the top five, like I need to see more from him. So there's there's a handful of players in this draft class that I love. But once you get to this point in the, in the draft, it's kind of like taking what you think they could be. And I think McKinstry could be a really good player because of the amount of confidence that Nick Saban has had in him dating back to his freshman year. Uh, similar to Brian Branch. I mean, you just kind of trust him to make plays. He didn't against Texas, so timing doesn't exactly favor me here, but um, I do like Kool-Aid McKinstry and what he could become at the next level. He's still your cornerback one, Rick? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to kill him just off of one bad game. Yeah. What I love to see is the guys that have a bad game, how do they respond to following Exactly. That usually gives you an indication of what kind of competitor they are. Yeah. You made that comment either about uh, DeMarco Hellams or – Jordan Battle last year, one of the guys had a bad game. Because he got run by 22 times for touchdowns in that Tennessee game. And then I was at the Mississippi State game live. 
and had a great game. Yeah. That's why he ended up making it. And he's, I don't think he'll ever be a starter, but he's a special team guy. He's a, he's a good football player. He didn't run very well, but I love the fact that after he probably got killed on social media, yeah, everybody Twittering and what, and, and he, he came back and responded. And that's a really good sign for a DB because mm. you have to have, we always talk about have a short term memory. So that's why I'm anxious to see how Kool-Aid plays uh, this week coming up. And DeMarco flashed during the, the preseason. I saw him making plays yeah. uh, a lot. So, again, to your point, one game does not define a career. So Kool-Aid will turn things around, no doubt about it. All right, we're going to take another quick break, come back, and wrap things up with Josh and this mock draft. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, let's go through picks 22 through 32. I'll read them off real quick in case you're uh, listening uh, or watching. And then we'll get into a few more questions for Josh. At 22, the Jaguars take Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver to Texas that Rick just talked about. At 23, the Texans take Leatu Latu out of UCLA, the edge rusher, uh, who we talked about last week on the podcast. Had a huge game in the opener for for uh, for the Bruins there. At 24, the Ravens take Kingsley Sumatai. Is that how you say it, Josh? Sounds sure. right. <laughs> asking, why are you asking him and not asking me? <laughs> you are next. Uh, you, you get the next name that I can't pronounce. How about that? Right tackle out of BYU. Yeah. Who? Kalen King. King. Kalen King. At 25 goes to Rixby Ole Detroit Lions, a cornerback out of Penn State. The Dolphins take uh, Zach Zenter, offensive lineman out of Michigan. Uh, he's a Michigan guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I haven't watched him yet. Uh, 27, the Bengals say Keon Coleman, who we've spoken about, the wide receiver uh, at Florida State by way of Michigan State. Big game to open against LSU, of course. 28, the Cowboys take Barrett Carter, my guy, the linebacker out of Clemson. At 29, the Bills take Moose Muhammad third out of Texas A&M. At 30, the Eagles take Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Barrett Carter's teammate, also a linebacker at Clemson. 31, the Chiefs take Adonai Mitchell. We heard Rick mention him a moment ago, the wide receiver out of Texas. And at 32, the 49ers take Tight end, Cade Stover at Ohio State. All right, back to the questions. All right, Rick, to you, who is too high in Josh's mock draft? Okay, Josh, I'm going to you, ask you some logical questions here. You're you know, draft experts. I'm just a uh, supporting actor on the show <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I had a couple of them, but I had to go with Jeremiah Trotter. So one is that he's undersized, one that he's not a superb athlete or shows something that is he an excellent football player? Is he very instinctive? Yes. How many of these type of guys went in the first round? If you look at last year, what one linebacker and he would uh, Jack Campbell went in the first round We, you know, we like Drew Sanders and I think he's going to be a really good player for Denver, but he didn't go in the first round. So I don't see, just a position going this high, especially if they don't have some kind of unique trait. Now his unique trait is his instincts, but no physically, no physical unique traits that would say that I would project him in the first round. 
Yeah, I had a little bit of fun with this one, to be honest with you, because it was Philadelphia. Um, this is where the context of the article is kind of is kind of missing, because I did write that I actually don't see any of the linebackers as first round type prospects right now. Yeah, we um, have, but that's fine. But it's September. Um, so I was throwing it out there because it was a little, you know, fun selection. They need a little bit of help at linebacker. He's obviously got um, a history with the organization. So I went in that direction because it's September. So I don't see him as a first round player either, to be honest with you. I don't see any linebacker as a first round player. But Jeremiah Trotter, I think, is somebody that, as you mentioned, has great instincts. Um, somebody that's Yes, you have all of these physical freaks, and that's not nece- this is not necessarily the direction that Philadelphia would typically go um, for in terms of athleticism because when you look at how quickly their defensive line has gotten off the ball in week one, they are littered um, among that top 10 list. They've, they've got some of the fastest get-off in all of the NFL. So Trotter does not necessarily fit what they generally look for, but maybe you need somebody that's going to be a little bit more instinctive, somebody that's going to clean up all of that havoc that the defensive line creates. So yes, it was a little bit of a reach, but I do think that there is some value in having a player like that that can clean up all of the messes created by that defensive line. Allah, that's why they drafted N'Kobe Dean, who's hurt again. Yeah. But that's what the reason they drafted him, and they didn't take him in the first round. So I'm just saying, yep. linebackers this size, regardless of how good of football players they are, do not go in the first round. So Rick, let me ask you this, because you were still in Minnesota at the time. N'Kobe Dean... Injuries aside, did you have would he have been graded higher or I think it's no, just everything we just talked about. Okay, so the size is the big issue. Size uh is a big issue and because there's no one smarter. No, but how many of these guys? We were lucky to get Eric Kendricks in the second. I mean, we got him in the second round. He was a very good football player, very instinctive, undersized, no unique physical traits. Mm. Um, so I think these guys end up playing in the league. I'm not saying he's not going to be a good football player. I just don't see teams taking linebackers like this in the first round. When there are other positions that are harder to come by that you're going to maybe take a swing on before you take a swing on a linebacker. Asamoah is another example. They can rush the passer. Then that's a whole different cat. So Brian Asamoah, third round pick at Oklahoma is another example, right? Yes. Yeah. You can go down the list. Yeah. how, how many how many linebackers look at last year? How, look at where all the, you know, like I said, Jack Campbell, because Detroit did, he was a really good football player, but he's also 6'5 and better athlete than I think people thought he was going to be. Quay Walker, I mean, you could question whether he should have gone in the first round. He's He flashed a little bit the other day. Um, I get your point, though. I'm just, I'm just going through the list in my head. All right, my guy, um, I got a pronunciation, Josh, so I'll get this. Kingsley Suomataya. <laughs> so... I watched him over the summer, and I, I didn't love him. Now, I'll go back and watch him this year. They haven't played anyone yet. I don't think BYU. They have some games coming up. Um, so he, he wasn't – and I know that, that there are teams that like him, and I know he graded out high over the summer um, by some of the scouting services, but I just – I didn't see it. So that's just one man's opinion. But your opinion is that he's a, a first-round pick, and are you defending that, or are you going to take the Jeremiah Trotter Jr. approach and say you were just kidding? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm defending this one. I'm, right, I'm very cool. high on, oh, on Sue right. yeah, I went again. <laughs> he is you, – you can't play through him. Yeah, there's some questions about his lateral agility, but this is still a relatively young player. He's transitioned to BYU this past season, a transfer um, from Oregon, I believe. So he's relatively new in that role, but I think you see his overall strength. 
Um, you see the mobility. It's not like he doesn't have it. He certainly has it. And you can't play through him because of the strength that he brings to the position. So I have him right up there with the other right tackles in this class, whether that's J.C. Latham, whether ooh, it's, ooh. you know, Amarius Mims from Georgia. So you got Rick's attention. Rick, have you seen Kingsley yet? No, I haven't. I, I, I saw him one game. And okay. So I don't want to talk about him because I don't. Have and it him. is a small sample size. I mean, we're just starting the season. But what I saw last year is someone that is deserving of being mentioned in that conversation. Nope, fair enough. That's why we that's why we had you on here. So next up, not high enough in Josh's mock draft. Rick, if you're the Jets, you might want to trade up maybe for this guy. Hit number 19, he has them taking Joe Alt. Yeah, that's my guy I think is going to go higher than 19. I just think offensive linemen get pushed up the board. We saw him get pushed up the board last year. You saw uh Paris Johnson Jr. go. You saw Darnell Wright go. These guys that have lined up the History of Notre Dame offensive linemen coming in that, that play pretty good in the league. The size, the pedigree. Uh, he does play. When I watch, I haven't seen him yet this year, but watching last year's tape, he's not an elite left tackle athlete, but he has the length and he plays with such sound technique. Uh, and he he's very, he's almost like watching a savvy vet play the left tackle position. Now, some may see him over on the right side, but I just think he is too good of a football player, has the size and the length that you're looking for at left tackle, may not have the ideal feet, but because of his savvy for the position, his technique for the position, these type of guys go way earlier than down at 19. Josh, go ahead. Well, I think based on the way that he played against uh, NC State, he's probably deserving of higher consideration, to be honest with you. But I think based on last year, you mentioned the limited athleticism, um, played with a high pad level at times. So I wasn't quite as high on him coming into the year as a lot of other people. But watching him against NC State last week, I thought was his best performance yet. You know, he's he's showing that he is that top 10 caliber prospect. So I'm actually coming up on him a little bit. Um, to the point where, yeah, he's he's probably going to be earlier considered um, in future mock drafts. You know, we've got about 45 more of these, Ryan. Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, before the NFL draft. So plenty of time to get it corrected. But I do agree that he is somebody that is uh, ascending, at least for me, because uh, it sounds like everybody else already saw it. Do you mean I have to fix 45 more of these before the draft? <laughs> hey, Rick, you got to rest, but they're having me do much, uh, much fewer mock drafts. So you have to correct Josh's. So. Uh, that is a, a break for you. Rick, just, I'll ask you. Just look at the history. Okay, look at it. Just take last year's draft. Paris Johnson Jr. went in the top, right? Arizona. Darnell Wright went to Chicago. We even talked about Broderick Jones, Pittsburgh, who moved up ahead of the Jets to get him. He wasn't mm-hmm. ready. We talked about, hey, he's going to take some time. These guys that play offensive line, play tackle, go. It's just uh, the the history. Just like the linebackers don't, offensive linemen like this go, and they go pretty early in the draft. Yeah, no, I get it. And Josh gets it too, I guess. If not, he'll learn the hard way like I did. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go, and this, I mean, pick 13 is, is pretty high as it is, but I'm going to go with Dallas Turner, the edge rusher at Alabama. Josh has the Rams taking him at 13. And sort of to your point, Rick, there's a run on edge rushers. If you need an edge rusher, you go get them. And I think that's why we've talked about Jared Verge being such a high round pick. Um, I'm looking at last year's draft class or recent draft class, I should say, where we've seen these guys go high. 
And I don't think there may be a chance that Dallas slips. And we've seen cornerbacks fall, sometimes fall. Wide receivers certainly fall in the first round. But I think that edge rusher is a premium position. Edge rush helps the secondary. And to counter the edge rush, you take those offensive tackles. I think that's why those guys go so high. So I think Dallas Turner has a chance to go a little higher than 13, maybe even sneak into the top 10. But I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't hate it. Yeah, no, but I, I'm not so sure. And just watching both Dallas Turner, watched them against Texas, uh, watched Verse against um, the, in their opener uh, against LSU, that I'm not so sure that this is going to be – I don't think there would be that big a separation – between the Bears taking verse at number five and Dallas staying or not going to number 13, I think it's going to be a lot closer than that before this is said and done. Now, do you think they both those guys are closer, more likely to go in the five-ish range or in the 13-ish range? I think both of them have an opportunity to go in the top 10. Okay, go ahead, Josh. No, I actually agree with that. I think they are closer at this point in time. They each have their own blemishes. Uh, you can see Dallas Turner, his quick twitch nature, uh, Jared Verse, you know, he's built a little bit more through power. So you just want to see it, see them both be a little bit more well-rounded and take over some football games. Just haven't seen it to this point. So I like what both of them offer in terms of potential, but I just haven't seen that realized yet to this point. When I saw <laughs> Dallas Turner take Brian's tight end from. Oh, stop it. He can't block. Jatavion Sanders. Out of the bar into the backfield. <laughs> <laughs> This guy is explosive. And the only thing that I'll say is what Dallas Turner has to learn off, which I've seen, is that everybody's going to be turning the protection his way because he doesn't have Will Anderson on the opposite side. He's going to get a lot of chip help, so he's going to have to learn to how do I adjust my pass rush game because I'm going to be the focal point uh, of most offensive schemes, trying to make sure that I don't ruin the game for the for them. Worth noting, by the way, you talk about Dallas Turner and the Texas game, and I went back and watched him, and he, he did play well, and you, you said as much, Rick. But the right tackle for Texas, Christian Jones, is keep an eye on him because he's going to be uh, – we're going to yeah. start hearing more about him. He had a really good game against Texas uh, against Alabama. I'd watched him last year because there was some talk that he might come out, and he he's made a lot of improvements. Uh, I'm just going to mention these guys real quick, uh, guys that Rick and I want to see more of. Rick wants to see more of Moose Muhammad the third out of Texas A&M. Mushin's uh, younger son, of course, and I want to see more J.J. McCarthy, which I've said repeatedly on the show. Rick, give Josh a grade on this mock draft. Oh, I'm giving Josh. You're an F. Josh is a <laughs> minus. I didn't even do a, a, a mock draft. I got an F for not even doing a mock? That's Yeah, you didn't turn in your homework assignments. <laughs> Debo, can you remind me when uh, Rick's first mock draft is due? Uh, I think we said October 1st. Yeah. All right, Rick, you got some homework. Uh, it's not in my contract. I'm here as an expert witness. What if we give you odds? Like minus 22 million to one. Will you do one then? Yeah. No, because then I'd lose $22 million. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the number one gambling podcast on the internet with the first pick. Josh, uh, any, any parting words? How'd it go? No, I try to bring some new names to the table because so often we see kind of stale analysis. So I just wanted to bring some new names so we could talk about some things, uh, maybe try to get a rise out of Rick here and there. But um, overall, I knew I was in for a battle, so I showed up ready for it. Josh, I mean, uh, Rick, Josh called it stale. I think that's what I just heard. Got <laughs> <laughs> to bring some flavor to the podcast, you know? Some flavor, I like it. All right. That's awesome. Hey, if you like what we do here, take a quick second to give us a thumbs up on YouTube. And if you love what we do here, take it a step further and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And remember, if you leave a five-star review, 
on Apple with a prospect's name. We'll evaluate that player on an upcoming show. I think J.J. McCarthy is going to be in our sights next week, so look for that. Okay, that's it. That's a wrap on episode 80. Thanks, as always, to my guy Rick. Thanks to my other guy Josh. Thanks to Debo for producing, and thanks to all you guys who watched, listen, and comment. Enjoy your football weekend, and we'll see you next week for Papa Drop Tuesday. Yeah.